Welcome to God Pods, Faith Conversations from Boston College's Church in the 21st Century Center. Welcome to God Pods. I'm Elise Italiano Urenic, Associate Director for the Church in the 21st Century Center at Boston College. Ignatian spirituality offers us a vision that we can find God in all things. In this episode, we will continue to explore how we can find God during Lent. Throughout this Lenten podcast series, we want to help you find tangible tools to deepen your relationship with God, or to jumpstart it if it's been idle for a while. One of those tools we're going to look at today is the examine prayer, and how introducing it into your daily routine might just change everything. Our guest today is Father Casey Bomier. Father Casey is a Jesuit priest who lives and works at Boston College. Father Casey is the Vice President and University Secretary and is the inaugural director of Boston College's Institute for Advanced Jesuit Studies. If anyone can speak with authority about Ignatian spirituality, prayer, and its practical application in the lives of believers, it's our guest today. Welcome to God Pods, Father Casey. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here today. Great. We're happy to have you. Father Casey, maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about why you became a Jesuit and why you became a priest. Well, I went to a Jesuit university. I'm from North Dakota, but I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee. That's where my mom and dad met, and I'm one of nine kids. Six of us went to Marquette U, and I went there out of a kind of family pressure, but also because I wanted to be a journalist, and they had a great school of journalism. So I went to be a magazine designer and editor, and I met the Society of Jesus while I was an RA. We had a great Jesuit chaplain in our building, and I liked how he lived. He spoke of God with affection and familiarity, and he loved to work with young people. Those were attributes that I found in my own heart. So I, I knew there was something about that Jesuit life that was compelling. And there were a good number of us at that time looking at the society. So I entered right out of college, and that was in 1993. What's been the most rewarding part of the vocation? You've been uh, now ordained for 14 years, and as you said, a, a, in the order for about 25. Well, for me, one of the great things about being a Jesuit is the little ecosystem of the society, that it's a small world, even though it's the entire world. So I give back to students today at Boston College, as was given to me 25 years ago at Marquette University. So I live with students and I I serve as a chaplain. Those are attributes that had tremendous effect in my life as a young person. And I find that very satisfying to be able to offer that as a Catholic priest today. And what's been the most surprising part? Surely you couldn't have known everything that would have happened so far. I think the most surprising part is how fast time goes. And we keep in touch with each other in that little Jesuit world. So I've got friends from literally all over the planet. I'm just so surprised at how fast life goes. Sometimes it it makes me feel sad, but then I'm so grateful for the gift of friendship and relationships that I've experienced as a young Jesuit. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Well, we're talking about prayer today, and Lent, in Lent we've been exploring prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the three traditional uh, practices or disciplines during Lent. There have been countless saints who have tried to define prayer. Uh, I think often of St. Teresa of Avila's uh, maxim that prayer is nothing more than spending time alone with the one I know who loves me. Or St. John Paul II, who said that prayer is opening your mind and heart up to the God of love. How would a Jesuit like yourself define or characterize prayer? What's the Ignatian insight here? 
Well, I think the Ignatian insight is so very, very Catholic that for us, prayer is a relationship. Prayer is relational. And we pray to a person. One of the great scandals of Christianity is that God is a person and that we speak to God with familiarity as we would a great friend, a great mentor, a great confidant. So the relational dimension of prayer is what we believe is at the heart of that experience that's so very intimate and important and communicative. That's great. St. Ignatius also adds um, a lot to the Catholic tradition about prayer. One of them is this famous prayer that we're talking about today called the examine. First and foremost, what is it? And is it the same as the traditional examination of conscience, which we Catholics do before going to the sacrament of reconciliation? Or is it something else? That's a great question, because we're living in a time, at least at our university here, where all sorts of groups practice this examine. And for many people, it's a way of looking back, like Father Dennis Hamm at Creighton University would say, it's a day of rummage, it's a way of rummaging through your day. But for us, it's to it's to practice a, a key attribute of Jesus. When he grows in wisdom and age and favor before God and others, growing in wisdom and age and favor is is an examination of conscience, really. That to to be a person of wisdom means that you have to accrue experience and you have to pause and mine experience for the content, the marrow within it. That to, that's not self-evident. You have to go back and look, what is it that's wise about what I have experienced during the days of my life? And to do that in a way that's relational. That We believe that, that God is the, the provider of all that is good. So if I really believe that, then my examine, my looking back and gaining wisdom from the experiences that have been accrued is fundamentally a way of detecting the subtle hand of God at work that has a cumulative effect in our lives. So St. Ignatius seems to provide a practical guide guidelines for doing this. There are specific steps to the examine which he recommends in the spiritual exercise. Could you walk us through those? Well, this is a very important question. And I think it depends on where the, the listeners are who are tuning in today. When I teach the examine, I, I truncate it in a way that I think is very, very Jesuit. So for those who are, are great practitioners of the exam, and what you hear from me might seem simplistic, but I think the simplicity is beautiful and revelatory of the depth that's contained within communication with God. So when we teach the exam, and, uh, for example, at the Institute for Priestly Formation, we teach ARRR, acknowledging, relating, receiving, and responding. So, for example, right now in our conversation, that practice is going on just in the way that we're interacting with each other in a spiritual conversation, that we're, we're acknowledging the thoughts and feelings and experiences within ourselves, and we're bringing them out through a relating capacity of our voice. And then as we listen to each other, we're receiving, and then we respond to what it is that we receive. So that movement of Acknowledging, relating, receiving, responding, or as we would say, are, is a way of being communicative with God. So in my examine, I want to pause and do that process of communicating with God. So the way that I teach it, especially for our students, I say a simple Our Father before I go to bed. And when I get to that part about the daily bread, 
Give us this day our daily bread. I pause and I examine what is the daily bread of today. And I believe that God is the source of divine providence. God, God is the provider of all that's good. So I, I look at those attributes that come from good eating. So if, if I believe the daily bread is offered, I look at things that happened today that were nourishing, that were fulfilling, that were satisfying. So maybe it was when I left the dorm this morning, I saw two of the students and they said, have a good day. And I was so grateful that I live with them and that we're close. Or maybe it was when I was in the office and we got a phone call for approval of a new project and I felt so pleased for the members of our team. Or maybe it was when I was at our candlelight mass and a student was so moved by being in that quiet space that she was brought to tears. And I felt so happy that we could offer such an important moment for closing of the day. You know, whatever. I just look back on what it is that the day brought. And it's not merely me recalling. The next step then is to relate the satisfaction or the joy or the fulfillment back to God. So to, to thank God, to praise God, to acknowledge that God is the provider of all that's good. And then, this is the key part, I pause and with the ears of my heart, I want to receive something from the Father in response to what it is that I've recalled so that I, I feel interiorly that he approves of my existence, that each one of us is made as a beloved daughter, a beloved son of God, and that we, we hear the reassurance of that truth and then we respond to that with love. So that back and forth is the way to examine grace at work in our lives. And then I pause and I acknowledge, not with the voice of accusation, but rather with a voice that reflects in order to draw profit. I want to examine where it was the daily bread was being offered, but I didn't choose to partake. So what was the, the junk food of the day? Or where did I feel malnourished? Or where was uh, an offering that I just outright rejected? And again, not with accusation. My observation is that when people come to their lives with the voice of the accuser, they have nothing to show for it. They just feel barren. They feel depressed. But if I examine those malnourished moments of my day, when I examine the junk food that I've consumed, then I have something to work with in terms of, of growth. So I admit where it was that I was being offered grace, but I didn't choose it. So for example, when I was leaving the dorm and two students said good morning, and I didn't respond because I was so busy sending a text message that I didn't even look up from my phone. Or when the call came at the office and we got word that our project was not approved and I felt judgmental of a member of my team who I didn't think tried hard enough. Or when we finished mass and nobody said a word and I felt like people didn't, didn't appreciate or weren't moved by the gift of that closure for the day, whatever. It's a simple admission of where it is that grace was offered, but I wasn't attentive. And then I, I relate that, right? So it's not just me remembering that, but it's me relating that to God with the ears of the heart to receive what? Well, I think that God, God wants to give us virtues to help us become better apostles, better disciples in the world today.
So I might receive from God an encouragement to seek through my prayerful petition greater perseverance so that when I feel discouraged, I don't give up. Or greater patience so that when I don't get an approval for something, I don't lose heart. I keep at it. I keep trying. Or greater hope so that when I encounter young people, I see images of possibility. You know, we can never max out on virtue. And I think a principal fruit of the examination of conscience is to see how it is that God is always inviting us to receive different graces, different virtues, different images of hope that help us in sustaining in that great endeavor called on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want and that's what God desires for us to be laborers for something greater than ourselves. And the exam is a way of keeping in relationship with God in that very important process. Your description makes it sound like prayer can also be really practical in giving next steps. Uh, Pope Francis also agrees with that. And as a Jesuit, hes uh, it's no surprise that he's a champion uh, uh, of the examine. In his 2018 apostolic exhortation on the call to holiness in today's world, Pope Francis says to all Christians, I exhort you not to omit in dialogue with the word a sincere and daily examine. Discernment enables us to recognize the means that the Lord provides in his plan for us to move beyond mere good intentions. What does this prayer, the examine, have to do with discernment and then making practical steps in your life? I always think of discernment as something you do when you need to make a really big decision, like who am I going to marry or should I be a priest or a religious sister? What's the Pope saying here? Well, discernment is choosing that possibility that I believe to be the greater source of divine love. God's will for us is that we receive his love. This is very important because I think a lot of people think there's one thing that I'm supposed to do with my life and I need to find what that one thing is. And if I don't find that one thing, then somehow there's a glitch in the matrix and the upbuilding of the kingdom isn't going to be stable because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, God gives us all sorts of choices. One of the great gifts of our present reality is that a lifetime isn't enough to live the kind of life that that one could, just from the options that are possible. But discernment is looking at possibilities and then in relationship with God, from the best we can detect in the moment, what is it that has the greater source of divine love that could be possible? So I want, to, I want to choose that from this present moment that seems to contain the depth of the love of God, which will be a channel of sustenance, of, of fuel to keep me persevering in the way that God has invited me to live as a beloved son, as a beloved daughter. So the discernment is choosing depth of love. And that becomes the fuel that energizes us in the apostolate. That's so helpful because in our culture, um, at least as an American, we have so many choices. It can be kind of paralyzing. So that's a great gift from St. Ignatius to think about. In a book called The Examine Prayer, Ignatian Wisdom for Our Lives Today, the author, Father Timothy Gallagher, writes that the examine is important, as you've said, because it is a mutual revelation between friends. God reveals himself to us and how he's working in the day and we reveal ourselves to God. Doesn't God know everything about us anyway? What's the value in going through that exercise? Well, that's a great question. It seems to me that 
We could say that about any relationship that's close to our hearts, that we can sometimes take for granted, well, this person knows that I love her. This person knows that I love him. Uh, or they, that person knows that I care. The examine reminds us that relationships shouldn't be taken for granted. They always need refreshment. And from our end, it's important that we see that. God's not dependent upon us for that. But God unconditionally offers that relationship anytime to anyone. It's there for the choosing. So from our end, staying in relationship with God brings meaning. It brings capacity to contribute. It brings, it brings something out of oneself. So I, I just think it's so important that we realize that there's there's a relationship there for, for us to choose to participate in. And the more that we relate, the, the deeper the relationship, right? So if I'm, if I'm in that kind of investment of my time, if I'm in that kind of investment of my, my experiences, well, I'm only going to be deeper in the way that I am before God. How important is consistency uh, in this practice? So um, we live in a really noisy culture. We're overstimulated. We're usually overscheduled. Um, but it seems to me like what you're saying is it's important to make this time every day. How important is consistency and how much time should someone who's just starting the practice a lot for it? Also a great question. When I talk about this issue with people, I'll point out that there's a category of experience in everyday life for every single person that's non-negotiable. Like nobody would say, I have been so busy today that I couldn't get dressed. I didn't have time to get dressed this morning. Or my schedule was so full, I didn't have time to brush my teeth. Right? I mean, there's some basic building blocks of a day that are non-negotiable. Well, we're in charge of that category. And it's by its nature, it's very, very select in terms of what goes into that category. I put the relationship with God as an, uh, an unavoidable, undeniable uh, part of my daily existence. So it's a, it's a priority. So the consistency becomes a, a practice. I don't want to take that re- relationship for granted. Now in my humanity, of course, sometimes I'm swamped or sometimes I feel discouraged or selfish and I have to relearn or reclaim that consistency. But I would say that a person can place that relationship in that category and find a tremendous value in growing daily with God. That's great. Um, You know, the church was really focused last fall at the Synod on Young People, Faith and Vocational Discernment um, on young people, young adults, keeping them engaged, practicing the faith, empowering them to be leaders, um, and also potentially reaching out to those who are no longer engaged or unfamiliar with the church. Uh, How would you advise, I mean, these young people were looking to the church for practical tools for growth and relationship with God. Um, Have you seen young people pick up the practice of the examine? And what would you recommend to other people who give spiritual advice or who are priests or, or, or religious who guide young people about, you know, encouraging young people to take up the examine? Well, it's such an important question. Here at Boston College, a lot of our student groups practice the examine. And the way that they do so is simply to review the date. So, for example, a resident life staff of a residence hall, they might start with an examine and they might say, here are two highs and two lows. 
Well, on the one hand, we could point to that and say, well, that's just part of the practice, right? That's not the highest to which the exam can attain simply to review. But I'll tell you, I've become less critical of that level of examination because these days, for a young person to have the time to look back and to see grace and to see challenge and to give voice to that, I mean, that's, that's how barren the capacity for reflection has become. So when we provide opportunities for that, it plants the seed of the beginnings of relationship. Where I would like to see the practice grow in young people is the connection to that practice in terms of its relationality. So that it's not merely me recollecting in a solitary way, but taking that recollection and then relating it to God. Because two is greater than one. You know, it's a big deal for one person to be able to do that. But it's a bigger deal when that one person takes what she or he has mined from her life and his life and then share it with God. And why do we do that? Because God multiplies it, right? That's the miraculous multiplication. That's wisdom. So I can have an experience and consume that, reflect upon it. But when I relate it, it becomes incarnational in a way that it simply can't be incarnational if it's just within me. And when people share what goes on interiorly, it magnifies. And I think then it becomes, it becomes daily bread. It seems like then the examine also, the more you practice it, one effect would be like being more present uh, during your day to other people, to yourself, or starting to notice kind of those movements of the heart. Is that, was that your experience? I'd say absolutely. That if you relate to God, you will automatically relate to other people. And I'd say likewise, too, that people who have the capacity to offer friendship, to be in love, to be loving, it's very easy for them to be relational and loving to and with God. So it has a tremendous impact on the way that we treat each other because, because of its, it's relational. That's, that's the heart of it. Why is Lent a particularly good time for people to take up this practice or, or to recommit themselves to it? Well, Lent is a time of deserted space. I like desert itself, <laughs> but Lent is deserted, right? So when Jesus goes off to deserted places, that's a time of intimacy for him, right? That his deserted places are all within walking distance of where he is. So I think for us, the practice of Lent is an imitation of Jesus in deserted space, and why does Jesus go off to deserted places? To receive love from the Father. I mean, he goes, he goes to deserted places so that he can receive love. And then that energizes him to go back in the fullness of his humanity to be available for others, for their healings, for listening, for preaching, for advising, for meeting people in their realities. But he knows that he has to be refueled and he goes off to deserted places to receive that love. In Lent, we have an extended period to practice that imitation of Christ in the desert. And it's not, it's not meant to be a time of aridity and barrenness. I think I would liken it to the way that we might stop at a service station to refuel a car. That Lent is an extended time of refueling so that we can be ever more Christ-like in the world. And that that love that we receive from the Father is what propels us to be Jesus in the world today. 
And Lent, uh, we were talking about this uh, uh, yesterday, actually, that Lent, the original meaning of Lent is spring. Um, And so springtime uh, seems to be appropriate to be growing in our relationship with the Lord. Where can people go if they want to learn more about the examine? Well, they can go online to all sorts of great resources. They could simply just do a search for Ignatian Examine. We have at Boston College the Institute for Jesuit Sources, and you might find in our web store some great materials that could be helpful both for a retreat in everyday life or for your own personal prayer, little booklets that can be helpful practices for relating directly to God in order to become more Christ-like today. Well, we like to ask our guests one final question. Since this podcast is called Finding God in All Things, uh, and St. Ignatius tells us that we can do that, where have you found God today? Well, today we had a very lovely beginning of our day at work by having a God pod. So today is an easy way to start the day finding God. So that's how I would answer that question. Very good. We're glad he's present here. Well, Father Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We know that our listeners will take uh, your words to heart and hopefully begin this practice today. Thank you. My pleasure. For more Catholic faith resources, follow us at bc.edu backslash c21 or via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.